Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Let's go. This is the Chase in the Frame podcast, where we interview people in the TV and film industry, talking about their journey, how they got to where they are today. We do this podcast for the frame chasers. This is for those in the film industry, going hard, let them know who we are. Frame chasers, we're, we're not chasing the fame, no, no. Tell them what we do. Chasing the Frame. This is the Chasing the Frame podcast with your host, John DeMarco. Let's go. What up, Frame Chasers? It's Wednesday, and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame. Today, I'm with uh, Jay Wasley. Wasley? I'm sorry. I, I should have asked you before we started. How was your last name? How do you last name, Jay? Wasley. Wasley. Okay. I always, I'm terrible at pronouncing last names on this show. If, That's right. I'm terrible too. All right, good. Makes two of us. Uh, so if anyone doesn't know who Jay is, he he's actually uh, the DP and camera operator. Also, I saw today sound recordist also on Ghost Adventures. Uh, uh, originally, I was the sound recordist. Okay. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, how I started the show, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Jay works on uh, Ghost Adventures, guys. It's on Travel Channel on Thursdays, if I'm not mistaken. I double checked before we got on the show. Uh, Thursdays at nine. Yep. All right. Sweet. And yep, uh, every Thursday night. <laughs> awesome. And then uh, before we get into the show, we got to take care of a few housekeeping items first. Uh, first, we have to thank our affiliate partners, Artlist.io. Uh, guys, I apologize if you hear a dog in the background. That is Bear, our producer. Um, so again, we have to thank Artlist.io, our uh, a licensing platform for any content creator. Thousands of new songs every day and unlimited downloads. Oh my God. Uh, which is always a plus, especially when trying to find music for any project. That is always the hardest part. Artlist makes it easy and simple. Guys, if you join today in our affiliate link that's in the description below, then you get one year and two extra months free. So check it out and join Artlist.io, an inspiring music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers. Second, we have merch for you at teespring.com slash doors slash chasing dash the dash frame. Not only are we selling shirts, but we're selling hashtag frame chaser masks for $10. Honestly, it's a comfy cloth mask, super stylish, and you let people know that you're a frame chaser on set. And third, guys, it's that time when I ask for donations to the Church of the Frame. One way to donate is through paypal.me slash podcast which is a one-time donation to Patreon $5 membership a month, which is uh, allows you early access to our audio and visual content a week before it airs. And three in the description below, we have links. This is only on the YouTube page, guys. Uh, we have links to our cryptocurrencies that you can send to us. 
and that's going to fund our projects later on down the road. And last but not least, we have a Facebook page. Please like that as well as subscribe to our YouTube page. And that is what we're trying to do right now, guys. So let's get to it. Who's Ray Chase Frames today? So Jay, first question I ask for everyone who's on this show is where are you from originally? I'm originally from South Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Hey, oh shit. I'm from Central Jersey. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I grew up in like Blackwood, Clementon. Okay. Uh, probably the more known towns like Cherry Hill. Okay. Yeah. I'm from uh, like, like 20 minutes outside of Philly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. I've nice. Been to, yeah. I've been, this, I've been to Philly four times and four times, three out of the four times. Right. Well, three out of the four times were all for just cheesesteaks. And the fourth time was for an internship that we did a job <laughs> for once. Um, nice. That sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, second question I ask everyone on the show is, um, what was the TV show, movie, director, actor, anyone who really inspired you and you said to yourself, this is what I want to do? Uh, I think, actually, I think one of the first thing that really inspired me to get into filmmaking was actually music. Oh. Uh, my first love was actually being a musician mm -hmm. since like the fifth grade, playing in bands. And, and uh, growing up, I was a creative kid and I just wanted to create music videos, honestly. So mm -hmm. like probably the first inspiration was, you know, I grew up during that, you know, the peak of MTV, like every day yeah. after school, you come home, put it on and you watch all these crazy wild music videos. And I think that really inspired me to be creative and, and then apply that to my own music. And that's how I started learning the camera operate and how to edit and all that kind of stuff. What was that music video that really stood out to you? If I may ask, if you remember. Uh, I remember one of the ones was, uh, I remember Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden mm -hmm. and that came out with like, it was like the first time I saw like that weird trippy visual effects yeah. and they were like, you know, it just blew my mind. <laughs> that that one was kind of crazy because I remember watching that kind of freaked me out as a child a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It was, right. it was just a weird video. <laughs> oh, like, it was super creepy. <laughs> it was super weird, super creepy. So, so is that, you said fifth grade and you're watching mm -hmm. these music videos on MTV and then you started getting behind the camera that way and you're loving yeah. And so you're transitioning then, are you transitioning from music to film or TV, um, camera? Uh, kind of. I mean, they kind of grew at the same time. Music, I guess, technically was a little bit before, mm -hmm. but it was pretty much right away, like all through middle school. Yeah. And I just had like all these little grunge punk bands and, you know, I was, my parents had one of those big VHS cameras yeah. for home videos. Mm -hmm. So I would take that and just shoot. And then I remember uh, asking my parents to get me a second VCR and that's how I would edit. Yeah. So I would like queue up the footage and then press play and then record on the second one. Yeah, and then yeah. be like, all right, stop there and then queue up the next one. So I basically kind of self-taught just how to operate a camera and edit through that. Yeah. Uh, and that took me pretty much. And then, you know, I stuck with music for a long time. And after high school, I think just like everybody kind of, what do you want to do? You yeah. kind of trying to figure that out. And, uh, so I started going to school for photography okay. actually at first. Where'd you go? Um, uh, just a community college okay. at first to kind of try it out. Uh, I got a certification first. I went to sell, uh, well, actually to back up, I went to, took one semester in photography. Yeah. And unfortunately the teacher I had actually kind of killed it for me. Oh. And was just like, just kind of was like, oh, you're just going to be a wedding photographer. That's all you can do in this business. Like kind of, you know, Shit. took the inspiration the creativity out of it mm -hmm. and uh so it kind of made me be like ah that's no fun uh so then i went a safe rate uh safe route and got a uh, certification in computer programming okay uh, but then the same thing i didn't want to just sit at a desk all day typing code and mm -hmm. doing all that i was you know i'm a creative person by yeah. nature and i just needed to create more so then i started 
just basically freelancing as much as I can, like Mm -hmm. finding out, you know, all the little indie shoots. If you need whatever you need, I'll come out and just do it. And, you know, I had the technical knowledge and I'm a quick learner. And so I just started doing whatever I could for free. Um, And it kind of just kept growing from there. And my first probably big thing I did uh, at the time to pay the bills, uh, my friend started a pyrotechnic company. Oh, okay. Uh, And so my day job was working with him and we were basically making squibs was kind of like what we were basically making, but it was more for the uh, fireworks and rock blasting kind of stuff. But then I realized what we were making, I could turn into an actual special effects squib. Mm -hmm. So then I got hired on back in like around 2002, I think to, uh, for this movie, uh, a bikini bandits movie. I don't know if you ever heard of them. (laughs) No, I haven't. I'm sorry. It's like, (laughs) it's uh, it's like, it's like a weird, cult kind of underground following they're pretty big and it was a bigger budget uh film for at least for what i was working on at that time and they had me come in and had to do like the you know actors getting shot up and a wall getting shot up yeah and and that kind of like propelled me into you know actual real sets bigger budget stuff and made connections that you know kind of brought me to where i'm at today uh i'm gonna go back a little bit to the photography part of it real quick what was it like were you doing digital at the time or film photography? Were they still doing? It was film. Film. film? Yeah, it was still film, like in the dark room, yeah. all that stuff. How much of a pain in the ass was that? Because I did a film photography class in college, mm-hmm. and they they made us do the whole dark room and all that stuff. What was that experience like for you? Because for me, it was it was a, I could get the whole get the film in there, but when I came to mm-hmm. the the um, processing room, of, you know, making prints, that's where it all fell apart for me. <laughs> Right. See, I, I actually loved it in a weird way. I, yeah. I remember I would take the negatives, I would overlap them, I would scratch them. I was yeah. like kind of really experimental and trying just different things. And, you know, so I think, you know, if it was just straight up developing and, yeah, you know, oh, that's a pretty picture, I probably would have been bored and kind of been like, yeah, I don't know. But I just experimented. And yeah. I think ultimately my teacher didn't like that I was doing that because yeah. it was kind of too weird, I guess, for her. And I remember we would have like uh, do our presentations and she's like, oh, your your photos are they're too cinematic. They're not like photography. And she'd give me like a C. And I'm like, what? Like, sorry. Like, that's, that's, uh, like, that's is a, that a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's not. I think that teacher should get reevaluated and maybe be fired. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to give specifics on where or who it was, but it well, they're probably not uh, they're probably not teaching anymore. So they're probably lucky. Right. Yeah. Uh, Exactly, but, but also doing the pyro pyrotechnics, right? So you're doing rock blasts, like rock blasts for like actual companies, or like rock blasts for f- films. You're saying, I, I apologize. Uh, for for companies, oh, like okay. I guess mining, like yeah. we didn't actually do the blasting. We just created. created? Uh, they were called electrical matches, so they would use that product. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like we were the only company in America that were making them at the time, yeah. and which my buddy still does it. He's oh, still wow. running that company, and you know it was kind of a repetitive industrial type job you're just yeah. making you're doing like the same 30 second routine over and over for eight hours a day yeah and, and but uh but yeah also question on that too it's like so did that pro- you said it taught you how to make squibs so like is it the same process <laughs> in that regard uh kind of i don't i mean i think i kind of just adapted what we were making okay and then uh through basically through experimentation and taking all the time which was tough because that first job i remember they hired me to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, the good thing is I knew how to do it, but I haven't really had onset experience with it. Yeah. So, but I was confident that I could do it. The shoot was like six months out. So it's like, Oh, I have plenty of time to kind of rehearse, to practice, mm-hmm. to get it down. 
they called me and they're like, oh, no, like they're going to bring in some director from England. They're cutting the practical effects. You're just going to go digital. I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. It happens. About six months later, I get a phone call. Hey, they changed their mind. They want the practical effects. We're yeah. shooting in two days. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, man, like, oh, no, like, all right. So I scrambled and I remember I was in Philly in this mm-hmm. loft and like working basically like those two days straight nonstop. Yeah. Uh, all night long. And I remember one moment was in the middle of the night right before like we were shooting the scene in the morning mm. and i was finishing up and i ran out of gunpowder i didn't have enough you know to, yeah. to get all the blasts they want and this this workspace was kind of like a loft where people live too there was like mm-hmm. little rooms and stuff and this guy came in probably drunk late at night coming back from the bar and he walks in and i'm like bugging out like trying to figure out what to do and i was like hey you don't happen to have any gunpowder do you and he's like oh i got some shotgun shells in the my car I was like, all right, I'm not going to ask, but sure. Can I have some? He's like, yeah. So I'm sitting there probably three in the morning in this loft space in Philly, cutting open shotgun shells to take the gunpowder out. And my blade nicked the metal, which caused a spark. And it actually, one of the shells went off right in my hands in front of my face. Holy fuck. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. Luckily, uh, I already cut it. So there was no pressure. So it just was like a big fireball. Like I got like lightly burned. It was fine, but it was like that moment in Saving Private Ryan when like the ears are ringing and yeah, you're like yeah. that. Eh, and it was like, and like finally came back. Everybody came running out, woke up in the middle of the night. Like what the hell's going on? Yeah. So uh, that was, that was a uh, pretty intense. And then luckily I got it together and we shot the scene and it all worked out. What was, and what was it like going on that, on that set? I know you weren't doing, you were doing, uh, you know, practical effects, but I mean, in a, huh? Being had that first time experience on set, what was that feeling like? Were you were you nervous actually going into it? Obviously, it sounded like you were a little bit, just kind of getting everything together. Uh, I was a little nervous. I mean, I was nervous internally, and I think that's something I've learned through the years that in this business, yeah, you know, I think it's like a best thing you could do in this business is to keep calm, to keep mm. confident that you can do what you need to do. In the inside, you're freaking out, you yeah. know. But I think keeping that to yourself and kind of you know, it, it makes the whole project go better, but I was excited. I was really excited. You know, a lot of, before that I was on sets, but they were like really indie type stuff. Yeah. So this was like the first where I was like, okay, this is like a full on, you know, probably like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe like 30 people crew. And yeah. oh, wow. you know, like every, de- every, there was actually like every department, it wasn't guy, one guy doing art and yeah. also camera. And then, you know, like, <laughs> like it was, it was, it was a great experience, yeah. you know, to, kind of do that. And I always learned that way. Like too, like any set I got on in the early days, even if it was just, you know, doing something very minimum, I would watch everybody, Yeah, you know, and talk to everybody. It's the best schooling, honestly. And that's kind of how I learned. I was like, Oh, like that lighting right there. That's great. Yeah. I totally, you know, and then you go on other sets and you see yeah. the opposite and you're like, Oh, don't do that. <laughs> and I, and I totally agree with you too. That's the way I always say on the podcast is like the best learning experience I've had is being a PA and actually watching everyone and really just taking like everything in, like you were saying, it's, it's the, it's honestly the best. And, um, so, <laughs> so after, after you do this gig, when's the next gig that you had, that's really memorable for you. And like, you know, that next step in your evolution. Right. Yeah. So I kind of, after that, like some gigs, you get a good one and then there's nothing else for a little while. Yeah. And I kind of went back to, you know, regular day job kind of, and same thing, like still just working on any little indie thing, helping mm-hmm. out here and there, wherever I can. Um, and then I kept going and then I started for some reason, sound started picking up more. Cause yeah. I guess everyone always needed a sound guy. Like I think off the bat, everyone's like, Oh, I want to be a camera guy. Yeah. So, and then with the music background too, I was, 
accustomed to recording mm-hmm. as well and new sound. Yeah. So I like I I feel at that point my sound work started. I started getting booked more to do sound stuff. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I got hired to do it was this like action film they were shooting in New York. Uh, this Algerian production company came out. We're shooting this film and they hired me to do sound, but I think it was like about a two month shoot. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have, like, I got to quit my day job. I yeah, can't, yeah. you know, I talked to them. They're like, oh, sorry, we can't let you go for two months and just bring you back. So I was like, all right. So, but what I did, I realized that for that two months, what I would get paid would be about say six or seven months at my regular job. Yeah. So I quit my regular job. I worked on this film. I got paid, but I learned to manage early on. I managed my money and save and basically still pay myself weekly what I was. And that gave me about six or seven months where technically I don't need to work and I could still pay my bills. Yeah. And then during that time, you know, I had a feature film on my resume now and I just started pushing everywhere. Yeah. Started throwing my resume out to everybody I've ever met, you know, every message board, every Basically, every website that yeah. has anything film job wise started throwing stuff around. And I think luckily it was about that point where the bank account's draining and going down. And then all of a sudden the phone rang and I was like, oh, yes, like finally. And <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, kept going from there. And and uh, my question to you was it was was it easier to get the jobs now on the message boards and like looking for those things because you had a feature film under your belt or was it? Was it uh, harder or was it harder still? Was it still like a, a, a tedious process in that regard? Uh, I think it was, I think it was definitely easier. You know, it makes you look, you know, I hate to use the term, but like more legit, I guess, because yeah. you've done bigger experience. So it definitely helped in that way. And I think at that time, this was probably like mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. So like there wasn't even really a lot of social media at the time. Yeah. Like I think MySpace was popping around, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So like, there wasn't really like now, like you go, there's like a hundred Facebook groups to find film jobs and things like that, where back then it wasn't. So it was in a way easier. Cause you could like stick out, you can yeah. find like more stuff that like, and only you come across it. And like maybe you and a handful of people are applying to it where yeah. now you can literally be one of thousands trying to apply to something. That's very true. I, I feel like I've seen that a lot. And again, like talking about the Facebook message, uh, the Facebook groups is that like you see a job and you're like, you know, see it three hours late past the post it originally aired. Yeah. And then like you want to put your name in there and like, well, there's about 500 comments. What, what do I do? Right. <laughs> How am I going to Yeah, they probably out? booked that in like the first five minutes. Yeah. And then, and um, also uh, another question too for you, I forgot, to, I forgot to ask you this, but I saw that you worked on CKY. On, uh-huh. That's awesome. That's that's a huge like influence in my oh, life. Yeah. Actually, I just wanted to throw yeah. it out there. Nice and and also for, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> another question too is what mu- what instrument did you play? What instrument do you prefer? Or are you just yeah? Uh, so I originally started uh, my first instrument was guitar. Mm-hmm. Started playing guitar, and then I got into high school. I started playing uh, bass in the jazz band. Actually, all through high school, mm-hmm. and then after high school, uh, like I always played in bands. So the drummers we would practice in my parents' yeah. basement, so they would leave their drum kit. So then when we're not practicing with the band, I would go down there and just play around on, you know, the drummer's mm-hmm. drum kits. And uh, so I started getting into that. And then I joined a band after high school that I played percussion and drums with for a while. And then as my film career took off, I, then I got more into synths and mm-hmm. keys and, you know, kind of MIDI controllers and yeah. sequencers and things like that and kind of rounded out. So it's like, I feel I could play a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I think I know 
technically I know guitar and bass probably the best, mm. but I feel comfortable that I can, you know, I can make something sound decent at least. Yeah. I might not know what I'm doing, but <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, and can make al- it work. And also uh, going back to the feature film, what did you do sound wise? Mm-hmm. Were you sound mixer, uh, the boom yeah. operator? It was on, on location. Okay. It was location sound mixer mm-hmm. uh, and boom op. It was a, it was still like a lower budget. Um, so I didn't unfortunately have the luxury of a boom operator. So yeah. I was mixing and booming and that was definitely a headache, but also a great learning experience. Too. Lots of fun. Lots of planes around probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then CKY too, I'll say like, cause I grew up in Philly and that, yeah. all those guys live just outside of Philly. And, uh, you know, I skated when I was younger and yeah. unfortunately broken my ankle too many times to kind of stick with it now. And you don't heal as good as you used to <laughs> the older you get. But, uh, so yeah, they were influential. And I think at the same time, like me and my friends were starting to experiment yeah. like filming skateboard videos and yeah. making music videos with that kind of stuff. Like they kind of started, we're doing it too. And there was a lot of mutual friends, like being in the Philadelphia area, everyone crossed paths. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I became friends with, uh, their cinematographer, Joe Franz, mm-hmm. who then, uh, later on, we did a bunch of different projects together. And yeah. the most recent was the CKY kind of, it was like a greatest hits yeah. We kind of brought the guys back together and kind of followed up on what's been going on. Yeah, that 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 uh, error, like for me, and I think a lot of people who grew up during that time to uh, this t- that time of CKY, you know, they grew up in a, like era where like skateboarding was amazing, and we're all like want to be skateboarders, Tony Hawk pro skater, and stuff like that. And also just seeing skate films like Flips, uh, Sorry, and Really Sorry were really inspirational for me. Uh, and gr- even mm-hmm. gr- even Girls, Yeah, Right was another big one that like maybe one. Uh, make skate films, but also start trans transitioning me to more cinematic things as well too. In that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, def- yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. has a flow to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, um, and I think and, you know, shooting skateboard videos too. I'll just say like, it's yeah. great camera op training. Yeah. Like if you could follow someone on a skateboard doing tricks and you're riding along with them, like you're going to be a pretty good camera. Op. Sadly, no one wants me to wanted to film skateboarding from, my end of the right. woods. So I was wow. like, Oh shit. <laughs> like we just sucked at it. We all just sucked at it. All my, me and my friends, I right. can, I can never kick. Yeah. <laughs> I can just Ollie. Oh. Right. <laughs> um, so after the feature film, you got another gig and was that again, sound and it's still sound gigs coming in. And then, yeah, yeah. Sound is kind of, kind of took off. Like I would still do a camera every once yeah. in a while. And, uh, but sound definitely picked up. Like that was the one that was like, all right, I'm actually, yeah making money with this. So I kind of pursued that and I would take the money. I would pay my bills. I would put a little bit, make sure I had some money and then I would buy gear. So I started early on, just started slowly collecting gear, putting together a kit, um, what was which was nice. Kit? Cause then I would, uh, I think it was like a task cam, okay. like TR. Like, it was just a stereo recorder really, mm-hmm. but it, you know, and some Seinhauser like G two lobs, I think. And yeah, you know, and then slowly evolved. And now I have, I have a sound devices, 664 with all electrosonic wireless and all kinds of stuff. But, uh, yeah. So like basically the sound started picking up and then I guess, you know, it was like jumping around. I did some art direction for a feature film that was kind of big. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like a children's musical called a standing ovation that made theater run for a little bit. Um, which that was a great experience. That was about a year Mm -hmm worth of a project that I was on. And then after that, I got, it was probably right after that project, like around 2009, 2010, I actually got called by the company that I did the special effects for back in 02. Yeah. 
and they were like, Hey, you know, you still, you do camera and sound stuff too. Right. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. They're like, Oh, you still do sound. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. Like we're working on this reality show in Philly called rec chasers. Uh, and we need a sound guy for it. Mm. So I was like, sure, let's do it. Absolutely. And so I worked on that. It was on discovery channel, uh, which was insane. It was mm. probably one of the craziest. We actually gave us, uh, uh, bulletproof vests that we could wear. Wow. It was, uh, as you know, anyone that's been to Philly, like I love Philly. It's a great city. It'll always yeah. kind of be home to me, but there's some really terrible areas. And where we were, where we were always in the terrible area. And at the time, uh, Philly, uh, they had a thing called a rotation where like, if there's a car accident, mm-hmm. they have a list of all the tow truck drivers. Yeah. So the police show up, they call the first person on the list. They don't show up after so long, they call the next and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but in Philly, they don't enforce it. So basically it calls this competition between tow truck companies. Oh shit. And they would, we, so we would sit around in like, you know, gas stations and mm-hmm. car lots with these tow truck drivers and listen to police scanners. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, there's, there's a wreck on six and Walnut. And then we hop in the cars and race to the scene. Cause then whoever gets there first gets the, the tow truck mm-hmm. job. Gotcha. But the problem is it made such a conflict people started getting shot over it. It basically created like gang wars between these tow truck companies where like people were murdered over it. Like companies would get it at the same time. They start fighting, fist fighting, shooting each other. I remember the one guy got shot and in retaliation, they burned down like their building. What the? uh, it was all kind of, it got crazy. So crazy. And we were, you know, doing this reality show yeah. with that. So I was doing sound and I guess, you know, I, was kind of, I guess, I don't want to say fearless, but I was younger and kind of mm-hmm. just didn't care. And I was always go, go, go. I'm yeah. getting in there. It's like we roll up on a thing and there's a police shootout because you just hear that there's a wreck. You don't know that it's, oh, it was a stolen car wreck. And now the, they're shooting yeah. at the police. And so we show up, but I was always in there. You know, I was always like getting up there and getting in the sound. Mm-hmm. And then that show stopped. Basically, one of the guys we were working with, uh, unfortunately, it was murdered by an opposing tow truck company. Oh, my gosh. So we came we came back to try to shoot some more episodes uh, after taking a little break after that. And the police were like, no, we're doing the rotation. We're not letting this happen anymore. Yeah. So they kind of shut that down, which ultimately shut the show down. But the company that uh, the main production company out of New York mm. that was doing the show, I, uh, they also produced this other show called Ghost Adventures. Yeah. And at the time, Ghost Ventures was a couple years in and they were starting a new season and they used to always hire a local sound guy wherever they would go. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes if you've seen the show or in the middle of nowhere or something. So, like, they were having issues basically finding people and then yeah. the show was doing well. So they got a bump in the budget. And we're like, we want to bring on a full time sound guy. And since I was doing this wreck chasing show mm. and kind of like, you know, I felt doing really well and always being in there and mm. they're like, oh, that's. Let's let's throw this guy out. Let's bring him out. Yeah. And uh, so originally they just literally called me and were like, hey, will you do sound on this show? You know, it's out in Vegas. And they flew me out to Vegas and did my first episode. And I was like, all right, it's just a gig. Yeah. That's it. Just another gig. Yeah. You know, it was fun. It was awesome. And I remember early on and, you know, to kind of, well, a lot of people talk about the authenticity of the show. I remember early on, when I watched the episode that I worked on, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like that's what really happened. 
Yeah. And at that time I've done a lot, I did a lot of reality stuff like sound and some camera Yeah, and you see, you see it happen in real life and then you see the show and you're like, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. But with ghost adventures, I was like, wow, like that's legitimate. Like it's raw documentary style filmmaking, mm-hmm. which I love that. And then, you know, they called me back and they're like, yeah. Hey, we're, you know, we're doing another episode. We're doing another episode. And it was always such a small knit crew. There's not like a big crew with that show. Yeah. And we became good friends. We started, you know, being on the road together and yeah. traveling. We became good friends. And then, you know, I probably just worked the sound for about a year. And then at some point I remember we went to Jamaica and we investigated or the, I didn't get to investigate that one, but we filmed at Johnny Cash's house in Jamaica. Oh, cool. And I remember afterwards, we're back, uh, I think, driving to the next shoot like a couple of weeks later in Arizona. And Zach, the main host, is like, hey, we got this EVP, which is a electric voice phenomena where like you record and a voice shows up in the recording mm-hmm. and you know it was quiet. And he's like, it sounds like Johnny Cash. Like, what do you think? So he plays it for me. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like Johnny Cash's voice. <laughs> And I was like, you know, like you can actually do a frequency analysis and compare it to like the real Johnny Cash voice and do a comparison to see it. And he's like, oh, shit, you can do that. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a tech guy. That's like kind of all this stuff I do. Yeah. And he was like, great, you you do that then. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you do that on the show. Like, we'll bring you on this episode and you do that analysis. Yeah. So that was like my first appearance uh, was doing this analysis on this Johnny Cash EVP. Yeah. And, and ironically... I also appeared early in the episode because when we were in Jamaica, this like soccer game busted out out of nowhere and the Jamaicans <laughs> basically were like, Hey, you guys want to play? And they needed a fourth player. And we're like, Oh, we'll just shoot it. Like, like a montage. So they're like, Jay, you come in. So they introduced me as their sound guy and had yeah. me play soccer, which was terrible. Cause a month prior I broke my ankle skateboarding. So I was like, just getting to the point where I could finally like walk, yeah, yeah. like, now they're like, oh, I got to run and play soccer. So I'm on national TV for the first time, like <laughs> limping and running like an idiot. Like <laughs> it was a mess, but that was my first appearance on the show. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then from there it kind of kept going and, you know, we became like, literally they're my best friends and, mm. you know, we all share ideas and every time I would share an idea, they're like, all right, you do that. So yeah. they started bringing me more and more into the show and then still doing sound as well. Mm. And then I developed what, uh, kind of like and reworked what we call the nerve center, which is like a series of cameras that all come back to one control center. Mm-hmm. Um, so then me and other guy, Billy on the show, like we became like the nerve center guys. Yeah. So like during the episodes we would be on camera, but we would always be at nerve center. We'd like walkie talkie, the guys and be like, okay. Hey, something moved over here. Or we heard a sound over there. Go check it out. Yeah. And then that be kind of came my role on the show. And then Jeez, I don't even know now, probably like six or seven years ago, one of the guys uh, that was working on the show uh, stopped working on the show and he was kind of the main camera guy. So then they brought me up and then they're like, all right, now you're like official talent on the show and you're also now the DP, you know? So then it kind of been going from there and, you know, it's still, I think six or seven years later now we're still going. (laughs) Also question. I mean, you mentioned it was, did they sh- like fly you out to Vegas and like just for the one episode, then like fly you back out, then fly like what do you kept, yeah. like continually flying? So when did you move to yeah, Vegas full yeah. time? Uh, I didn't actually move to Vegas till a couple years ago, oh, okay. or three years ago, about now, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I was still living in Philly when I first started, and basically as long as I can get to an airport, you know, I was yeah. I was good to go. And 
so I lived in Philly for a while and I actually started uh, with some friends, a production company in Philly, which kind of didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, all right, I'm, I have like a regular gig now. Like as long as I can get to an airport, I'm good. Yeah. So then I moved up to the Poconos for a while and I kind of lived up there kind of, I don't want to say in isolation, but you're literally out in the middle of nowhere for a while and yeah. did that for a couple of years, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But after a while driving, you know, from Newark airport to two hours, you know, after a shoot and coming home to two feet of snow in your driveway, it was kind of, that's not kind of wears you out. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like a fun time at all. Especially yeah, from Newark yeah. airport. So, so then I uh, went to Nashville after that. Okay. And started living in Nashville for a while. And uh, there, I mean, that's where I, and then I started uh, my most recent company, my current company, Simple Equations Media. Mm-hmm. And we were just, obviously Nashville was tons of music videos, yeah. like so much. So like we did so many music videos and that was kind of taking off there. And then eventually, you know, I was always coming out to Vegas and yeah. flying out the West coast. So I was like, Hey, you know what? I might as well move out here and kind of packed up and moved everything out here. Uh, what was the, I mean, cause I know it's a whole, a whole bunch of country music. I'm guessing music videos in Nashville, huge scene there. <laughs> uh, there was some, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, I guess that's more like the stereotypical thought, but there's, there's actually a lot of like, I don't know. There's like a weird hybrid of this. Like they call it Americana now okay. where it's like rock country esque, you know, huh, interesting. But a lot of like, even like dirty grunge rock, like Jack White's based out of Nashville now. So oh, okay. like that kind of like grungy bluesy rock kind of stuff was big. Um, and I got in with like a great bunch of guys mm-hmm. that were all talented and, and women too, that were all amazing songwriters yeah. and musicians. And, and it's weird. Like Nashville is a cool place. Cause it's like, it's weird because it's, you know, I went there and I was like, oh, I'm a musician. I could play. Yeah. And I started inviting people over and having jams. I'm like, no, never mind. I can't play. <laughs> like, holy shit. These guys are, you know, everybody in Nashville is absolutely insane musically. Yeah. So it kind of like keeps you humble because you're like, oh, man, like everyone else is better than me. But at the same time, it pushes you and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, forces you by osmosis to kind of be better as well. Yeah. So it's definitely a unique, cool place. That's, that is pretty – I would love to go to Nashville. My parents, when they drove out here, they went to um, – oh, my God, I'm blanking on the – it's – I know it's in Tennessee, but it's not – I don't think they stopped in Nashville. They stopped at – um. oh, fuck. I, I apologize. It's like – There's probably not a whole lot. There's like Gatlinburg, which is like in the Smoky Mountains. It's like uh, Knoxville. Pigeon or no um, – not Pigeon. Oh, Pigeon Forge. Yeah, they Pigeon went there. Forge. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's out near Gatlinburg, out okay. in like the Smoky Mountains, which is beautiful. It's, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all nature, but it's definitely a cool spot in the country. Yeah, I got, that's where one place I gotta go in my lifetime. Nashville. I've been hearing a lot of things lately oh, yeah. about it. Um, mm-hmm. So now moving the company here, your simple equations media. Wh- yep. What was that process? Was it was it tough move? Like, how does that work for a, a company to move from like one state, like especially a production company, from one state to another right. state? Like, because you're kind, of, you're, are you losing clientele in a sense? Are you keeping the clientele? Yeah, I. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, in a sense, it is kind of starting over. Uh, luckily, I had the show going. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I always had that steady income. So yeah. I never felt I had I had to push the business to rely on it. You know, like theoretically, I didn't have to do that. I could yeah. just take my time off the show is just time off. But I can't do that. I love creating. I love doing film. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I wanted to create this, you know, this company, this space and everything. And um, by that point too, I've collected tons of gear, you know, lighting packages, a three ton grip truck and, oh, wow. you know, sound kits, all kinds of accessories. Um, you know, 
in a sense to one just to do my own stuff, but also, you know, obviously to make, make it work. Mm. Uh, so it was tough. Cause it was like, all right, you're basically starting over, yeah. you know, like I came out here and, you know, I brought it. Luckily my, uh, my buddy Charles who worked for me in Nashville, he was like, all right, I'll move out to Vegas too. Yeah. Like, Why not? Let's go. Yeah. So, you know, I'm very thankful. He actually took, took the, uh, the jump with me and moved out here. He actually drove, drove the, uh, grip truck out packed, like way over packed. Uh, <laughs> but he drove that out. I think it broke down in New Mexico, like oh, coming shit. over the mountains at some point. Wow. Uh, and we got out here and kind of like put everything in storage at first until mm. kind of figure out what to do. Yeah. And then, uh, probably a few months after being here, I found an office space, uh, right by the new stadium. Yeah. Uh, and then started, took that over and it was like one space and then kind of just started building from there. And, you know, just putting the name out, putting out connections and reaching out to people and kind of through word of mouth, you know, started getting gigs and meeting with people. And I always approach the company too, is like basically a company that like I would want to work with when yeah. I was first starting. Cause a lot of like when you're first starting, you know, you want to go to these companies to like rent gear or just have help. And yeah. they kind of like, no, like it's this, you have to pay this crazy amount of money. It's this, 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 like, that's it. Mm. Like we're not flexible. Like it's yeah. just that. So I've always approached the business as being flexible and working with everybody. Like, you know, even if you don't have hardly any budget, like, all right, like, let's see what we can do. We can yeah. sure we could work something out. And, uh, and then just recently, you know, now basically it's grown and, you know, we have a full, basically a full post-production studio here. So we have an editing bay. Mm-hmm. We have a, a 7.1 mixing room, oh, wow, isolation nice. booth. We have a full live room. Uh, we actually record bands as well. So it could, besides just film stuff, yeah. but it's a full studio to do fully ADR, mm-hmm. you know, voiceovers. Uh, and then we also have a writing room and I have a bunch of producers and writers that I work with now that kind of are part of the company. And we meet, you know, twice a week to, mm-hmm. you know, develop projects and work on stuff and, yeah. you know, just talk out, talk out ideas basically and brainstorm and try to be creative and see, you know, obviously push and bring in work, but yeah. at the same time when we're not doing technically paid work, we're like, all right, let's, let's find something else we can do. Let's find our own stuff. Let's just keep creating and yeah. keep developing content, you know? And so uh, it's been going like that and it's, it's, uh, it's doing well, I think. Uh, and it's at a point now too, where, you know, I feel like, you know, I can reach out more. We have a bigger space now. We took over the space next to us as mm-hmm. well. So we've basically doubled our, our awesome. size. Um, so like we, we have a whole warehouse space that we build sets in and things like that, you yeah. know? So it's a, a shooting space and also basically post-production studio all in one. That's awesome. Uh, what are you guys running post-production wise? Like, are you guys using uh premiere resolve final cut avid? Yeah, it's all, all the, it's all through Adobe okay. creative suite. So then I, sometimes I'll use DaVinci for color correction yeah. and something like that. But, uh, Mostly, like even now, Premiere is getting great at it. And, okay. Yeah. You know, you kind of developed enough LUTs that you kind of just, you know, slap them on. When you really want to fine tune, I'll, yeah. When you really fine tune, I'll jump into DaVinci. But like yeah. for basic stuff, it's just like I'll use the LUTs I've already kind of yep. developed and you know loved using. I, I feel you. Yeah. Uh, I know we have a <laughs> me, and my friend Mark, who's um, you know my my partner who helps me out with the you know audio and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He, we always argue about like when he's like, when are you gonna go to Da Vinci? When are you gonna do this? Well, I'm like, I don't want to go to Da Vinci. Like I'm, I'm kind of like set in my ways and get, I guess, uh, with with Premiere. Yeah. But at the same time, like, there's been so many bugs lately with Premiere that I'm like, do I go to Da Vinci? Do I do yeah. I take the leap of faith and I try to edit a podcast right. in Da Vinci and it was like just a, it was a, it was a fucking mess. Part of my French. 
Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's definitely tough. And I think it, honestly, it doesn't matter. Like if you know how to use it yeah. and like, they all do the same thing really. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's always that debate. People argue about, Oh, this is better than that, but it's a, it's a personal choice. Yeah. You know, like I remember I learned premiere first. So I was like, all right, this seems easy. I learned it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And then I, tried learning final cut and I got it like early final cut. And I was like, Oh, this is cool too. So like I kind of use seven you're saying? And then I remember, yeah. And oh, then yeah. I remember when they came out with X, like final cut X and yeah. they totally redesigned it. I was like, no, like this yeah. is so foreign to me now. And I was like, I know premiere. I'm just going to stick with that. You know, what's funny. I was the same way with final cut X. Uh, and then mm-hmm. like when they start adapting with like 10.0.6 and like all these other updates that actually start bringing in more things, and I, and we use it for my job because I work at the news, so I'm I'm a photographer there. I work uh do morning shots and stuff like that, and yeah, nice. ed- do like editing with uh, Final Cut t- uh, X or Ten, whatever anyone wants to call it. And it's a lot more, a lot better, I should say. I was gonna say a lot more better, but that's not proper English. But uh, it's a lot better than what it used to be. Right. So it's a lot, a lot, a lot easier to use now. Right. So, yeah. And I'm sure it is. I don't want to knock it either. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if I learned where everything was, it would be like, oh, this is great. But yeah. it's just, you know, it's kind of you know, sticking with convenience, something yeah. you already know at the time. And it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to ask you too about the, the wrecking, the wrecking crew, right? Wrecking. Our, our wreck chasers. Wreck chasers. Yeah. Sorry. Um, did now when you're saying the rotation, were you all with just one company at the same time or was, was like different field crews with different companies? Uh, no, we stuck with one company. We kind of had, there was two companies that merged together. So mm-hmm. I think we had maybe three or four crews and we would like, okay, stick with certain drivers, but it was all under one company pretty much. Okay. Just wondering, cause when you were saying like, um, like those other companies would come cause of the non-rotation stuff and they just come. Right. Yeah. They're, yeah. We're, we're not filming when they just show up. You yeah. Know, and I was just wondering, like, wait, sometimes so- they're not happy. You know? yeah. <laughs> okay. I was just like, wait, so is there, how many yeah. crews are there? I'm like, I was so curious about that, but that answers right. all my questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then also going back to uh, a little bit more about ghost adventures too. So, what was it like now being on camera instead of behind the camera, especially when you started doing that stuff more? What is that like? How, yeah, how was, was that def- transition? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely weird. Like, and I still feel like, you know, I've been on camera now for years and, uh, you know, I still feel like in my heart, I'm always a crew guy. I'm mm. still, it's, you know, I love shooting. It's yeah. like what I do, but I feel like it's been good. Cause I, I've, I've worked in film for so long that I, even though I didn't, I was never like officially in front of camera. Mm. I knew what was expected. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like when I did it and I started being more in front of camera, it felt natural. It wasn't like I didn't, you know, get camera shy or freeze up because, you know, I've been around it from the other side. So I've been watching it. So now it's just kind of like, and with our show too, it's very like, it's literally four of us. We're like best friends, buddies hanging out. So it's not even like, all right, there's a full crew and lights and mm. it's not like a big, huge production. We were like, Oh no, like this is a lot. It's like, you kind of forget the cameras are there honestly. Yeah. And we just do our thing. You know, sometimes we fart it's on camera, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we're just us being us. So it definitely yeah. helps, you know, take that, uh, that nervousness of being camera away. Um, and also here's another question too, about the more, I guess, more technical side of uh, ghost adventures as well. So as, I've watched it. I haven't watched it in a long time. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's been a while. Um, cause I haven't had a travel channel in a long time. 
So, um, but what I remember is like you guys having the, the what cameras were you guys using? And what cameras are you, are you guys using the same cameras as you were yeah. back then to now? Are they different? Right. Also, yeah. also mentioning like, were you guys just going off a lot? Like, do you have lav set up also as well and shotgun mics on the cameras or is it all just through shotgun mics? How's it all? I guess the technical aspect. I'm so curious about that, of how the show yeah. works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, when we were originally shooting, we were shooting on Sony X3s. Oh, wow. Uh, when we, when I first started taking over, uh, and then I got on the switch over, uh, we started shooting on Canon C300s. Okay. So it just like, it was a nicer look. It, and then it became a little more cinematic at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was nice. One of, you know, a personal highlight of my career is that after I started shooting the show, uh, American cinematographer magazine reached out and wanted to do an article on the show. Cause oh, they wow. noticed that the show's become more cinematic. And mm-hmm. I think it was like one of the first reality show DPs to be featured in the magazine, which, you know, for anyone in the film world, that's like a musician being in Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know, it was like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So then, and now still like shooting wise, we still shoot on Canon C 300s uh, and the show's basically broke up into two halves it's an hour long show. The first half is kind of more, we do more interviews, more research, kind of learn the stories, learn the history of everything that's going on in the place. And for that part, we have a sound guy with us that we all, we're all labbed up. Yeah. We lab any of our interviews up. We take more time. We light the interviews, you know, it's a little more, you know, production, still a lot of raw run and gun yeah. and, and none of it's really planned out. Like we just know we're going to be talking to these people. We show yeah. up and basically whatever happens, we just go with it. And it's really raw on the fly documentary style filming. And then the second half of the show, it's just the four of us. We have no crew at all. And that's when we do what we call our lockdown where we spend the entire, you know, pretty much the entire night by ourselves in this location. Uh, For that we use, we have like a bunch of cameras. We probably have about 20 something different cameras like that shoot night vision, uh, some Canons, uh, some Sony's, um, and for that, for sound wise, we just go off the onboard mics, okay. you know, gotcha. and we don't get lobbed up because one, two, like we want to be credible and cut out any kind of possibility. So wireless, if you get some weird interference or something, we want to make sure that we don't have that Yeah. so that we know, like if you hear something weird in the audio, that's straight off a mic, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. And um, when you said the Canon C300s for, the show did you also mean you use them for lockdown too or just for the no not lockdown half? just for that first okay. half just for the first half like yeah. the interviews and all the, the documentary yeah, kind yeah. of run and gun style stuff. i got i got really like curious like my interest even peaked more because i'm like wow what do you guys like for lockdown like what i know you have to change lenses like what lenses right. are you guys using like you guys have like multiple lenses right for yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah i mean i'm sure i don't know i could probably figure out a way to adapt like we've i've like hacked some gopros to shoot yeah. night vision oh really um even the red i brought my red camera out one time and mm-hmm. you can shoot night vision in red oh shit you, know, know you need a good amount of yeah uh you have to take out the the optical filter inside mm-hmm. and they actually sell red cells it's an ir filter or it's a, basically an anti rir yeah. filter oh, okay and that's basically how it works it's basically every camera every sensor can shoot in night vision mm-hmm. But they'll put an IR scent or filter in front of the sensor so it blocks IR light. Oh, okay. Because it, it's like because if you left it off, then like images would have like kind of like a weird glow to it because mm-hmm. there's IR light just from the sun. It's all over the place. Yeah. But it just looks weird on camera, so they put an IR filter to cut that out. Mm. But uh, 
But in night vision, basically night vision cameras, they have that IR filter off. Mm. Or if you can switch in between, there's like a mechanism that puts the IR filter in front when you want to shoot regular. And mm. then it takes it off to shoot night vision. So, okay. you know, I have gone into cameras and find that filter if you can get to it. Some of them, like they're built in and you yeah. can't really do much. But I know like GoPros, there's like a little element on the lens. I don't know if the newest ones, but some of the older ones, there's like a little element that's on there. So you could take it apart and actually pry that off. And then now your GoPro shoots a night vision. I'm really tempted to do that to my GoPro, but I really don't want to at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I just end up breaking it completely. Right. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. If you have like one of the old ones and you got yeah. some new ones now and you have like an old four or five or something. I do. I think I have a four. Yeah, I do have a four. It's actually my closet. Yeah. I'm going to go fuck around with it now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> what was the scariest, yeah. what was the scariest location? I would, uh, let me ask you. I mean, that's a common question. Yeah. I probably, you get, yeah. you get a lot, but I got, I got to ask. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely different ones for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, I think one of like the coolest, scariest places we got to film in Romania and mm -hmm. we did like Dracula's castle and wow. places like that. And I just loved Romania. Like, mm -hmm. it's not really scary, but like, I mean, I don't want to say it's not scary. It was, but I just loved it. Like that always sticks out as one of my favorite places we've ever been. Yeah. Um, scary wise, uh, uh, we did a documentary called Demon House, uh, oh, yes, which heard about this. Uh, it's uh, it's on Amazon Prime, uh, and it's this house in Gary, Indiana, and we did a documentary there over a course of a couple of years. And that place yeah. was just you just walk into it and you feel like you walked into a spider web, and it's just oh wow, I don't know, it's just pure evil. Um, and then with the show, there's been a lot, uh, but probably one of the most personal things I ever experienced was in this old saloon in Arizona in Prescott, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And the people that worked there kept saying that, uh, an evil entity like was coming out of the basement and tormenting them. Yeah. So I went into this crawl space in the basement by myself and I'm on my hands, you know, belly yeah. crawling through trying to see if anything happens, kind of see what's down there. Yeah. And nothing was happening, so I started getting agitated. I was like, all right, come on. If you're like this big bully yeah. spirit, like do something, you know? And I swear, I have one camera. I'm holding it out in my hand. Something grabs my legs and actually drags me backwards, probably like Holy a good shit. three or four feet. I drop the camera. I get dragged away from yeah. camera. You can see behind me there's nothing there, but I just yeah. get dragged away. And that was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't just jump up and run away because I'm in a crawl space. Yeah. So that was like probably one of the most vulnerable pure mm. terror moments I've ever had. And that, uh, I still think about that and, yeah. you know, I wish I could explain it. I wish I could be like, Oh yeah, maybe it was this or that, but yeah. there's absolutely no explanation. Yeah. That's crazy. That I could come up with that. <laughs> and, like, do you ever get like, I guess scared that these spirits will come home back home with you? Like, do you guys like seance yourselves after or something like that? Right. You know, like, yeah, like, I think, you know, <laughs> exorcisms or something. Yeah, totally. Right. I mean, I've, I've, we've, I've witnessed exorcisms I've seen, I think all of us is we've gone through different moments. Yeah. You know, we've been doing it so long that, you know, there's, you could tell when each of us are being affected, yeah. you know, like you just feel off or you're kind of negative, but like mm -hmm. we're all good, positive guys. Um, but yeah, I think early on, I didn't know, you yeah. know, I was just kind of whatever. This is fun. It's cool. But it did like, uh, you know, with the show, like I actually went through a divorce during it. Uh, you know, and I felt like people would like, you know, I'd have friends come over the house and be like, oh, your guitar flew off the wall. And, what the you know, I, you know, I had a spare bedroom. They're like, oh, I slept over and I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a lady standing at the foot of the bed and things like that. And uh, 
so I realized like it does like that energy does stick with you, you know, and can come home with you. Uh, so then since then, you know, I kind of learned, I guess my own way of cleansing kind of my own spirituality, if you will, to kind of keep a good grounding and kind of stop that from, uh, happening or at least from overpowering you. I'm sure it still happens from time to time, but you know, don't, you know, there's a point where like, you can't let it overtake you basically. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, It's definitely wild. And if you ever invite me over, I'm never coming over. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, it's funny. Like even the business, like a funny story, I was selling a speaker, just selling a speaker. It was just in the studio. Just didn't need it anymore. This guy comes over to buy it. I wasn't here. My buddy was here working and, uh, the guy's like, oh, you, you know, we have pictures on the wall of the projects and stuff. And mm. he's like, oh, Ghost Adventures. I know Ghost Adventures, all that. And he's like, cool. And then starts talking about that. And he leaves. Literally 10 minutes later, he calls my guy. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to swing back. And he's like, sure, come back. He's like, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't take this speaker. He's like, I, I called my mom. I was talking to her. Like, yeah. we're afraid. Like, there's some, like, bad mojo on it or something like he's like i i I don't want it and actually return the speaker because uh he was afraid it had some like weird negative energy to it (laughs) did you finally sell the speaker again at least when you're yeah yeah it finally went out there so who knows somewhere might be a might be levitating in a studio or something it plays plays wirelessly (laughs) right it just plays black sabbath backwards all the time (laughs) or led zeppelin (laughs) right yeah exactly back masking uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what has been like now? I mean, now with your with your company too. What's been the most? I guess um, the the best moment of, of being with your company, or like the most uh, the highlight of your company so far. Simple, simple uh, equations. S- simple equations. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, we've done a we've done a lot of shorts that have been getting like festival recognition and things like that. So that's always great. Um, and honestly, I mean, my favorite part is just developing the team that we have. You know, it's. Like, I still feel like, yes, it's a business, but it doesn't feel like a business. It feels like it's a creative community and, you know, we've expanded out, you know, like, you know, we have like tomorrow, we have like, like, you know, some like younger filmmakers that are, I'm just like, oh yeah, they're like coming over to use the space just to have yeah. a production meeting and, That's awesome. you know, and then like, yeah. I love, you know, like there's moments for me, like I'm at home and I'll look at my security cameras and there's just random people in here doing shoots and being creative. And I think for me, that's what I love. Like I yeah. love just seeing it being used and seeing these people having a space to be able to create and, yeah. you know, just kind of pursue that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know? So for me, that's the biggest uh, appeal to it and kind of the accomplishment in my mind. Gotcha. And uh, let me ask you this. Uh, we, we talk about the Vegas film community here and I don't know if you're uh, how, much you're into the film community in, in general too has made a lot of indie films and stuff like that. But what have you seen, if I may ask, like the the strengths, the weaknesses, and and what can we do to improve the community? If I'm if if you're able to speak on that, yeah, I think uh, I mean I don't I wouldn't say I know enough. I've met a lot of people and yeah. I've worked with a lot of people this time, and everybody I've encountered for the most part is really great and seems supportive. Um, and I think the best thing we could do is just keep supporting each other. You know, Mm. like, I don't think it's a huge group of people, Mm. you know, like I tend to see like the same names keep popping up, which is cool. I like seeing that it's a smaller group, but I think it is supporting, you know, I've been in other towns and other areas where like people start competing or being like, Oh, we're better than you or our projects better. That project sucks like this and that. It's like, that's not going to help anybody, you Mm. know, like, and I think Vegas is an amazing town. We're close to LA. Like it's, huge entertainment capital. There's, there's definitely work here that could be done. 
And I think, you know, just keeping from what I've seen has been, but like, I hope to, it stays that way where everyone supports each other and doesn't develop that, you know, like that, you know, uh, desire to compete with each other so yeah. much, you know, and it, or at least put each other down. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny because like a lot of people on the show mentioned that the, the community is that there's a clickishness to the community, which is, which it's interesting. Cause you, you're saying that there's, it's more, um, community driven in that regard. I think so. And yeah. I think, I'm sure there are clicks and, yeah. you know, and I feel that happens naturally. Like once you start developing a team and regular people you work with, you tend to stick with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at any Tarantino movie, it's yeah. most of the credits are always the same people, you know, True, it's yeah. even actors, you know, they, once you kind of find that core crew that you work well with. And that's the thing with me too. Like I remember these people, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like if you didn't do well, if you burned me or just wasn't a pleasure to work with, yeah. like, you know, you know, you know, not to be a dick, but I kind of forget about you. I'm just like, all right, yeah. you know, like not going to invite you back like that. You know, like I yeah. think, you know, film, even if it is, you know, for a, a corporate commercial or an industrial pharmaceutical shoot, it's still art. We're still creating yeah. something. And I think you need to have a positive, fun environment. You yeah. know, like we're all, we're all lucky to be able to do what we do. And even though it is crazy and hard work and, you know, stressful mm-hmm. and ups and downs all the time, but at the end of the day, it's, pretty fucking awesome that we yeah. get to do what we do. Yeah, yeah. Uh what weaknesses do you see if you see any in the community? Uh I think I see from what I've heard like I haven't seen too many but I've like some things I see that I could see that could develop into a fear yeah. is that people feel Vegas is limited. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not even just the Vegas but I think it's maybe the outside of Vegas perception is that, you know, people think Vegas is the strip. Yeah. They think it's all gambling. But like we have so many location possibilities, so yeah. many like good crew members, you know, where like, you know, there's kind of like the stereotype about Vegas that yeah. it's only that. So I think whatever we can do as a community to change that and open up and show, look, there's so much more here than just that. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. It's great that we have that too, but it's not just that. And yeah. I think, you know, showing that and supporting that, you know, and you, you know, everything's getting so much more expensive in LA. Like, Let's bring people out here. Let's do productions out here. It's a you know much more friendlier state with uh you know and mm. not as expensive and I, I totally agree. Great, great crew. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Uh, I was talking to someone who was on the podcast. It was a few weeks ago. We were discussing like you know just colleges in general, and I feel like you know I was asking him because he went to CSN here, and I was saying like you know people need to. I think the problem with you know I don't think a lot of the kids are getting the the real onset experience too, because like people mm-hmm. aren't popping up as much with movies here or they're putting on the, you know, the billboard and no one's really like looking at a billboard half the time and taking a slip of paper. I feel like right. maybe we need to actually have people like, you know, your company's letting people come to shoot there and do these things and being able to, you know, really see what an onset experience is, or even just having someone come from a film right. set yeah. and saying, Hey guys, get the fuck on set. See if you like it or not. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's one thing we've been exploring and we're kind of developing, which once this whole pandemic mm. world is kind of over, hopefully uh, we want to do workshops here. Yeah. We want to like, you know, have people come in and, you know, even now, like we still do it. Like I have had a, a steady cam up who's kind of young and learning and he noticed I had a gear head, yeah. you know, and he's like, Oh, like I've always wanted to like learn that and practice yeah. that. And I was like, yeah, hit me up. You can come in and practice with it if you want. Mm. It's fine. It's awesome. You know? And then like, you know, and then like just last week, he's like, Hey, can I stop by? I was like, Hey, come on by. And he just hung out for a couple hours and just 
put some cameras on it and just practice with it. And I was like, that's great. I love that, you know, seeing it get used and, you know, if you can inspire other people to be creative, that's, you know, that's probably one of the ultimate goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then what do you think we can get to the next level? Like get that, raise the bar, I guess. Uh, I think it, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything we need to do. I think it's just keeping the positivity in the Mm -hmm. community and just keep, putting out good work, you know, not being afraid. Like, yeah, every, every project isn't going to be the multi-million dollar big budget thing. Like, yeah. you know, and I think I've noticed cause I've been doing it basically working in the industry since 2002. And mm-hmm. I admit there's points where you kind of, you start losing interest maybe, or you kind of get, you know, you're like, Oh, they're not paying a full day rate or you kind of, yeah. you know, and at the same time you do need to hold your value. You need to hold a certain level, but I think keeping that, inspiration, keeping that creative spark, keeping that love for what we do that we probably all originally had, which was Mm -hmm. probably bigger when we first started. I think tapping into that again, like having that feeling and, you know, like I said, just making people want to come to Vegas to film, making people enjoy filming here. And, you know, like we're all capable of making good content. We all, I'm sure, you know, everyone's talented, everyone, you know, we have good gear, like Mm -hmm. it can all be done here and it's just providing that space to make people want to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's like a really cool spot, by the way, I headed to Moapa Valley uh, or Moapa. It's like a mm-hmm. binding mine shaft or minefield or something. Not minefield, but like a silver right. or something. I don't even know, depo- repository or some yeah. shit like that. I got, I'll send you photos right. of it when we're done with nice. the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm oh, sure, yeah, that's the greatest thing. There's so many cool spots. Yeah. And that's one of the, the pluses of the show too, is that, we get to go to so like I've learned and know so many places that like I would never have gone to that town. And, yeah. But it's such a cool town. And like now I know like, Oh, if I ever want to shoot certain things, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great place to go for that. Do, do you ever have like any like off time when you're filming? Like, is it just mm-hmm. constant filming or is it like, Hey, I have like a 10 minute break. I'm gonna go shoot some B roll of this place over here. Like in general, uh, for well, yourself, like on locate, like, well, we shoot pretty much all year round too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a lot of shows tend to shoot a season. They'll yeah. be like, all right, for like two, three months, we're going to shoot a season. Then we'll be off for a few months yeah. with our show. We've been shooting pretty much every other week for, I mean, I've been over 10 years now and it's yeah. been that way. Okay. Um, so we do like basically two episodes a month. Okay. Uh, and we're kind of in and out quick. You know, we don't, you know, we're just, we get in, we do our work and then we get out and, you know, now during COVID times, we do nothing but sit at the hotel mm. in between, <laughs> you know, where like before, like, we, you know, there might have a couple hours during the day before we film, we'd go out and explore the town and kind of see things, mm. you know, but lately it's just, you know, we're just stuck inside and, you know, which is fine. We're still out there. We're still filming. So yeah. I'm thankful we're able to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, so I don't mind just sitting in a hotel room a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, Three final questions for you. One, favorite cheesesteak spot in Philly? Uh, well, I am now, and well, I have been for a long time. I'm a vegan, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I would say when it was, I would definitely say Jim's. Okay, actually, Jim's. was probably my favorite. All right, never which been. Was on a, which was actually on South Street. There's always like uh, Pat's and Geno's were kind of like the always like the big yeah. ones that are right across the street from each other. Yeah. And uh, I remember trying them. I never really liked them. I felt they were really fatty and mm. just, I don't know. I didn't see the buzz, but there's a spot on South Street called Jim's. And, okay. you know, there are lines around the door all the time too, but yeah. that place I always felt was the better cheesesteak. Well, if I ever go, when I go back to Philly, I'll definitely check out Jim's. I'm, I'm a yeah, Tony Luke fan sure. myself. 
Nice. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, Tony Luke. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. I actually did some projects with him. He's like oh, nice. big into the, the indie film world over in Philly, too. Oh, shit. Didn't know that. Fun fact yeah. to learn today. Holy right? shit. Learn so much. Uh, and right? <laughs> second to last question is, uh, what is your social media if you'd like to give that out? Yeah, uh, Twitter, um, uh, just Jay Wasley, J-A-Y-W-A-S-L-E-Y. And Instagram, I am Jay Wasley Film, J-A-Y-W-A-S-L-E-Y-F-I-L-M. Um, and that's pretty much the main things. Like you could probably search and find me on Facebook and stuff. But unfortunately, too, and also on, at least on Twitter and Instagram, look for the verified check mark because yeah. there's a lot of fakes now. Oh, I'm really? getting messages yeah. all the time from fans being like, oh, I've been talking to you for three months and I've been sending you <laughs> gift cards like you asked. Like what what's going fuck? on? I'm like, what? Like, no, that's not me. You're getting scammed. It's like, stop that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I you feel know? like when people ask, like if someone's asking you for a gift card, you should definitely just say that's a scam. Right. Like, yeah, I was like, you know, like <laughs> why, why would you think I would be like, Hey, can you send me a gift card? Times are tough. You know, <laughs> like another, another yeah. scam that happened. I know a few years ago, it happened to me almost is, um, mm-hmm. someone was like saying, Hey John, we want you to be a DP for this film. We're shooting this many days. We're going to send you a check, but send us back the check or some, some shit like that. All right. And I'm like, That's weird. Yeah. this is definitely a scam. So I literally went to the bank and I'm like, um, this is a scam. Right. And they're like, yeah, you shouldn't have this. And they just took it from me. And they, I guess they just <laughs> nice. called the FBI after that or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that about a lot, especially when I first started. Cause like I would get a lot of work through Craigslist. Yeah. And I was always thinking like some of these jobs are like, all right, I'm just driving six hours out to like some town. Yeah. With not really talk like a couple email exchanges yeah. with some random person. And I don't know. Like I'm going to let my family know where I'm going and who I talk to just in case I never show up again. (laughs) I've done that before too. (laughs) And and last question. I'm just thinking of a one time. Oh my God. (laughs) Went to this person's house and it Mm -hmm. just like was a, I love Lucy memorabilia of things in this person's apartment. And then they showed Mm -hmm. me like this video. They're like, we want you to edit this type of video and shoot this type of video. But it felt very cultish. And I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of here like quickly. Right. (laughs) Oh, I would say if if you got a minute for like the weirdest thing I've ever encountered through like a Craigslist type ad was this. I remember I was still in Philly. This was like way back early on. And this lady was looking for a camera operator. It was like a multi-year project just to film moments of their child's life, you know? And I was like, oh, that sounds great. You know, every few months I film a birthday party. I film yeah. graduation, like whatever, just film moments of this kid. So I reached out and she was like, oh, you you know, you look great. Like, yeah. you know, I would love to have you do that. And she's like, all right. So like, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like count me in. So I got hired, I guess. Yeah. And she followed up. She's like, all right. So I was like, when do you want to, like, what would be the first thing? And she's like, well, the first thing I want you to film is the child's conception. What the? What? <laughs> what? And I was like, wait, what? Wait a minute. So like the kid's not even born. Like she wants every moment of this kid's life filmed. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, hold on a second. And you know, I, I thought about it for a second and I was like, well, and she's like, well, there's a few details though that you need to be aware of. And I was like, all right. She's like, one, I, my husband can't know about it. What? And she's like, but I have a closet in the bedroom that has like slotted things so she's like you could be in the closet and you could film through the closet door during the conception and i was like no that's it no way absolutely not never responded never got back to it but (laughs) i was i was like really like (laughs) 
that's like, like, great. I don't know who's gonna do that. <laughs> you just, you just like you're in the closet and you're trying not to breathe like heavily. You're like trying to like have like slow right. breaths, and all of a sudden the husband, husband's like, yeah. "Honey, do do you hear anything?" <laughs> that's how people get shot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a, it sounds like R. Kelly's trapped in the closet. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was like, oh man, no way. <laughs> that's. Oh. I, like, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta screen this stuff a little more. I think, I think that's the best. <laughs> Craigslist story I've ever heard in my whole life. I think you, you've totally right? just taken the whole cake of Craigslist stories for me. So I can, yeah. oh my God, no one can top that. No one can, yeah. I'm, I'm counting that right now. No one right. will ever top that. Um, I just wonder if someone actually eventually did it. I don't know. I, I don't, oh, I, I, I've seen like, you know, I've seen my life with Michael Keaton where he like videotapes about like all the life lessons he wants to give his son or daughter before they're right. born because he has cancer. But that really just, she must have watched that a little too much and yeah. went, Maybe I should do this right. and add this to it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and when right. are you gonna show that yeah, to your, right. your your child too? Like, right, yeah. Like, when I don't. I don't want to see that. Yeah, no. Why would you? Oh, <laughs> that's like scarring. Oh, right. Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. And <laughs> well, uh, changing the subject right. a little bit. What? Well, <laughs> last last so, question yeah. for you. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, last question is: What is that last nugget of information you want to give to the people listening? Uh, I would say like, if you're creative, if you're a filmmaker, whether you're, you know, been doing it for years, you're just starting. Like, I think it's just keep that passion. Remember that passion to create, remember what, why you're doing it, what you love about it and mm -hmm. try to keep that. There's going to be moments in your career where you get down. It's frustrating. It's stressful. Like I said, kind of earlier, like we're all lucky to be able to do this and you got to keep that and remain humble and, you know, be excited, whether it's some stupid, even if it's stupid shoot and it's no fun, like it's a moment to create, like make yeah. the most of it, learn from it, you know, and just keep going, try to create something. And when you're not working right, you know, like yeah. I, you know, if I'm not working on something, I write, I paint, I'll play music. Like mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I think keeping creative, you know, if I sit too long, I kind of go crazy and I feel like, you know, it, it sends you in a darker place. So I yeah. think, you know, keeping that creative energy flowing is good, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when you're, you know, really got nothing else to do or, you know, you're got nothing on a Thursday night, watch ghost adventures. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and now I have travel channels. So which get... too. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Which also I'll shamelessly plug, I guess real quick, uh, <laughs> which is good. If uh, you know, we mentioned you don't have travel channel anymore. Uh, so Travel Channel is owned by Discovery. Okay. And Discovery is actually launching their own streaming service that starts on January 4th I called Discovery that. Plus. So it's basically all Discovery stuff, uh, Travel Channel, like Food Network, like all the Discovery channels. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. It's going to be their own streaming service. Uh, and of course, it's another streaming service, but it's like, I think they give you a free trial and it's yeah. only like five or five to seven bucks a month. Not too bad. But uh, every single... Every single Ghost Adventures is going to be on there, uh, so you can watch any episode at any time. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, we we filmed a few months ago. It's going to be exclusively on Discovery Plus app. Uh, we did a two-hour special investigation of the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, oh, okay. which was absolutely insane. Uh, if you're not too aware of it, it's like the most famous for like the uh, Elisa Lamb story, the is woman uh, woman who was in the elevator like, freaking out. Oh, did she disappear What's too? That? Did she disappear? Yeah, and she. Yeah, and then they found her in the water tanks on the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. 
Yeah, that's yeah. So it was that that hotel. Uh, Richard Ramirez, the serial killer, lived there for a while while he was oh, killing shit. people. Like it's just, it's kind of like uh, it was inspiration for the the hotel season of American Horror Story. Yeah. Oh shit! Like it's just 15, 15 floors of pure hell, and it was it was awesome, terrifying. But yeah. So that's going to be exclusively on the app uh, when it launches on January fourth. I'm I will have to definitely take a look at that because I kind of want see that about the yeah that's that's awesome i'm definitely gonna yeah. now you have sent me signed up for this discovery plus app nice. <laughs> so uh jay uh thank you so much by the way for being on the podcast it, yeah, absolutely thanks man it, thanks for having me it was fun dude i i have to say like i i did not expect you to reach out to me at all that was like so cool like it was one of those moments like oh my god this this person on this, like ghost yeah. adventures is fucking reaching out to me i'm like i'm just a little guy that's so cool <laughs> It was, I ran around the house. Thing, it goes back to like, just, you know, I love, yeah. you know, I see things that I'm like, and I heard the podcast. I was like, oh, this is cool. You're yeah. actually talking about like film and the creative sides of things. And I love that. And it's kind of what I do with the company, yeah. you know, like one thing we're kind of expanding on now is like we're reaching out to musicians. We have a recording studio. Yeah. So we're finding musicians that I like and that are like, oh, they're young and yeah. don't know what to do or don't have access to things. We're like, come on in and record. We'll help you out. And you know, so I'm always, you know, I always yeah. uh, try to help out and, you know, want to expand that community. Thank, thank you so much. And it was, it was a pleasure meeting you and talking to you via virtually, not in person, but it was awesome, yeah. you know, getting yeah. to know you. Absolutely, man. When it uh, gets back to normal, if yeah. it ever does, we'll uh, get together. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, man. Uh, again, thank you. And thank you guys again for listening. And remember to, descri- to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcast. That's just some of the places we're on, but we're on a lot of them. And I can't do this without my frame chasers. And I'm just trying to bring knowledge to all you listeners out there. I hope you're getting some great valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story and we all go through things at the same time or at different times. I hope that the people on the show keep inspiring you to chase those frames. Once again, Jay, thank you so much. And again, guys, have a great day.